0: it's appraisal season and it's a good thing, isn't it? We're all being appraised for the work we do. However, that also goes both ways of the spectrum. We've done fantastic. However, we also have that lurking feeling with things which might be our shortcomings. As leaders and managers, we might have to have difficult conversation with the people we work with. However, today, We have Yvette, who's completely asking us to reimagine how we look at the whole idea of assessments of difficult conversation. And she asks us to look at these as learning conversation. Pretty interesting, isn't it? I'm going to go ahead and call Yvette on now to help introduce yourself and get going with this conversation. Yvette, over to you.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me over. Thank you, I appreciate. Um, Like I said, my name is Yvette Tarasso and I'm the founder and principal consultant of Unitive Consulting. It's a uh, organization or a consulting firm that works in organizational uh, effectiveness, uh, change management, conflict management, mediation, and, and we do training and development and coaching. So quite a lot of services that I give here. And today, you know, like you mentioned, I'm going to be presenting uh, information about mastering difficult conversations, specifically where we're giving performance evaluations and we're having uh, high stake conversations in diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. And hopefully with some of the tips that I'm gonna bring here, uh, your audience will benefit from there. And uh, and I look forward to the presentation and see if that's gonna be a value for everyone.
0: Oh, we're sure, let's get going.
1: Thank you. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and, uh, share my PowerPoint here. So um, we're gonna be talking about mastering difficult conversations with addressing DEI or DEIV, employee performance and more. How many of us have been in situations in where we dread to have difficult conversations with people? I'm pretty sure everyone, the majority of people are always afraid of having difficult conversations because they know that it can escalate to a conflict that nobody wants to deal with. You know, negative energy and conflict tends to, you know, create fear in everybody. So I'm pretty sure that we have a lot of people in the audience here that might be putting up with conversations that they don't wanna have, that they're hoping that if they put it under the rug, things are gonna be okay or they're gonna go away. Or just, you know, try to rehearse that conversation that you might have had that didn't go well, and perhaps, you know, hoping that they will find a mechanism of how to make it better for the next time. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people fall into those categories. Well, you know, it is because what we say, you know, people dread having difficult conversations because it, it's entangled with conflict, conflict between in, individuals. The truth of the matter is that conflict is inevitable. You know, it's something that just happens between people and also it happens internally in ourselves. So it is better for us to start addressing mechanisms to teach you how to embrace conflict or how to embrace those difficult conversations that will eventually help you to become a better leader and help lead organizations through that standpoint. So you know, like I mentioned, whenever there's two people, there's always some some uh, place of difficulty of communications or dealing with difficult conversations. So why is it that we dread, you know, the conversations of, of, of talking about uh, situations that can lead to difficult conversations? It is because we don't have a mechanism of how to deal with it. We have outdated ways of how to deal with it that perhaps we'd learn as we were growing up as children, you know, conflict resolution skills and, and knowing how to deal with difficult conversations are socially transmitted. Meaning that as you were growing up in life, you learn from other people, how is it that they deal with that? And you install that that tool and probably you never outdated the, the tool. Why? Because We don't get to learn these things in elementary school, middle school, high school, and not necessarily in universities. Very little is being done to place, you know, these type of people skills into into the teachings of our students, right? Or sometimes as an adult, you might have encountered classes in mediation or conflict resolution. You might've taken these classes, but not necessarily the majority of people uh, try to have conversations by trying to persuade people. And sometimes it doesn't doesn't work. Right. Because we're trying to prove a point. And, and, and if you know that doesn't work with people when you're trying to prove a point, it is your way and no way. You know, you're trying also to wrong people by the way that you communicate. And also that is not an effective way to go about it. Right. Sometimes our conversation go in directions in where we're blaming other people. And, the, and as well, you know, that doesn't sit well with no one. Right. And sometimes we we try to give our line to people because we're angry and and we're frustrated and and we show up, you know, our negative energy by trying to blame other people, give give our peace to other people, or wronging and righting people left and right. And the only thing that we we do is really creating communication that is uh, creating reaction on people, disconnection, and at the end of the day, you know, people get stuck. And therefore, you know, these mechanisms do not work. And the reason that they don't work is because we go into a fleet and fight mode in our brain. Um, our brain is, it's such a powerful mechanism that we don't realize that every single every single second or every single minute of our own life, the most important responsibility of our brain is to keep us alive. And everything that we can detect that might be of danger, we go into a fleet and fight response, what they call fleet-five or freeze response. Um, And we go into that mechanism because we're perceiving that something is going to happen and we need to protect ourselves. That mechanism is very automatic on us. And because of that, we have to think on ways of how we can transform the way that we communicate. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you throughout this presentation. Talking about growth mindset, I talk about that instead of giving you know, performance evaluations or having high state conversations, we go into a state mode of giving learning conversations. Um, the approach is that instead of coming from a you know, set mindset, we, we go into a, a, a growth mindset. A set mindset is a, a mindset that is very fixated the way that you think things should be and instead we jump into a growth mindset that we can see probabilities and possibilities and we learn from each other instead of trying to debate or trying to you know get the upper hand of other people or wronging them or blaming them with things so the way to do this is I call it uh, you know a a you know holistical system or or meta 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 system here right in where you go into a state of curiosity you go into a state of avoiding judgment by being understanding with other people you bring empathy into the into the equation and you go into a state of wonder and possibilities rather than fixating your mind into things that you know why the person didn't perform where, or why is it that the other person said what they they said, or creating mechanisms in their brain, um, associating with things that might've happened to you in the past that gave you negative uh, experiences. I'm, I'm bringing these to your attention because we tend to do that. We tend to go into mechanisms in where, you know, we associate things that have happened to us in the past from other experiences, and we bring these things into the table whenever we're trying to have, you know, difficult conversations as a mechanism of thinking that by going back into our past, we can shelf ourselves that not to have that negative experience. But what it tends to happen is that people are not in a state of presence. And when you're not in a state of presence, you're already creating biases and judgments that are that are gonna block you from having that human to human experience and learn from each other. So that is why you know I want you to think about bringing that into your performance evaluations. And the reason why I'm I, I got very interested in performance evaluations is because I came across very interesting um, surveys that really caught my attention that something needs to get done. And personally, when I work one-on-one with people, you know, doing coaching, I listen to people whenever they're gonna be giving an evaluation or performance evaluation or that they are receiving one and they are in state of fear. And I know what it's like because I, I also been in those shoes when I was an employee myself. And I care for the people that I work for. That's why I I brought the idea about having learning conversations. But let me give you some information about these surveys that are very valuable for you to know. According to the Gallup survey, 14% of the employees strongly agree that performance reviews inspire them to improve, but 86% do not. What is that telling you? Something is totally wrong of how is it that our organizations are giving performance evaluations. Now listen to this one. As much as 2.4 millions of dollars to 35 millions of dollars goes into last working hours when organizations go into a mode of giving performance evaluations. And that is a number of about 10,000 uh, employees that you're giving a year. So you can definitely probably calculate how much money your organization is losing by all of these hours of time that it takes to give these performance evaluations that are not very effective. Right. Another evaluation here from uh, Sanders and Folkman says that 92 percent of the employees agree that negative feedback when they when not delivered appropriately, it doesn't work for them. So what again, what is these uh, these surveys are telling us that we're, we're not doing the best of our jobs in, in those performance evaluations. That's why it is important to start shifting the mentality to having learning conversations so that we can approach it in a different way. How can we do this? Well, we usually tend to do performance evaluation that are once a year. And nobody sometimes talks about the performance evaluation of people until the year ends. But that time, a lot of of the uh, managers, supervisors, perhaps they're not taking the right notes. Um, Exactly the same thing happens with the employee and they forget at times where things didn't go wrong. And what did we say in the last uh, few slides behind? What happens is that we tend as humanity to remember bad things, but not the good things. And what happens when people don't take good notes, people don't interact and talk to each other, we tend to remember the bad things that that employee has done, and we write performance evaluations that are not equitable to to all the work that they have been doing. So what I'm proposing here is that you do your one-on-one check-ins. So it could be in a month-to-month basis, every three months, and when you engage in these learning conversations, and not only these learning conversations will give you guidance as to what is it that your employee needs, perhaps in that moment, in order for them to do the work better. Rather, you know, if they need more mentoring, if they need training, if they need to, you know, go to a class or if the job perhaps is not as fit to the employee's skills and abilities, that conversations can happen earlier and save your organization quite a lot of money also, you know, if you put it into perspective. But by that time, you you learn and you, you gaze the situation of what is really going on. Especially right now, we're dealing with a pandemic. A lot of people are dealing with a lot of personal issues. On top of that, we're dealing with, you know, a a universal issue in the pandemic that is really striking people's attentions, health and, and emotions, right? We really need to be more attuned to our employees to really support them and give them the resources that they need in order for them to perform better or to work with them at the level that they are. Talking about equity and inclusion, this is about how you do equity and inclusion, you know, diversity, equity inclusion. Talking about those two pieces, equity and inclusion. How do you work with individuals at the level that they are and how do you support them with resources in order for them to do the, the work that they can do, right? So that's why I'm proposing that. You know, once once a week check-ins, you know, it's a great idea also to do, you know, what is the advantage of this? You know, I wrote here a little list of, you know, learning about more about your employees of how is it that they're doing, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are the challenges so that you can, act immediately. We forget that sometimes our managers also forget in supervisors that you know they're not necessarily there just to delegate people, but rather they're there to develop their own you know their own staff. and and they forget that and we forget that as leaders too, to let them know as well that that's what they're supposed to do. You know with managers, the benefit is you know show recognition to employees. Show that they, you care for them. Gouge into what is that, that the employer requires in order to be successful. You know, provide timely feedback and not waiting till the end of the year to give them feedback. Because remember, you might give them an 80% of good feedback, but that 20% of negative feedback, it's going to stay on that person's mind and they're not gonna be performing well. And on top of that, if you only give them that evaluation right in there and they don't know exactly what they're doing, Incorrectly, how is it that they're going to know exactly what what is it that they need to do? So that's why I'm perf- I'm suggesting that you know these performance evaluations do not happen in silo once a year, but rather you know we do our work throughout the year so that we can have these learning conversations. You know, continuing with performance evaluations, you know you can do it in a weekly matter, you can do it in a monthly matter, you can have check-ins quarterly. You know, I know that a, a lot of a lot of the uh, employees might have the one-on-ones or checking ins, but it's only about the the performance of the projects that they're working with, but not around the area of how to develop your employees. And that is where I'm offering here that we need to change our perspectives. We need to change the way we do things. You know, take advantage of the three sixty degrees. You know, evaluations. Those are very valuable in in. And throughout the year, if you can do that with your employee by yourself, you can definitely be able to do that. Why? Because you can interact with other employees, see how other employees are working with one another. And you can do that You know yourself or you can always uh, use a 360 assessment in order to help in uh, your employee to to know what their strengths and how is it that they can get better. You know, adopting new feedback strategies about uh, uh you know, through a century, Microsoft, Gold, Goldman Sachs, and, and Adobe have changed the way that they do that. And I think that, you know, there's other organizations such as the one here where I'm presenting at, they also have tools that you can use in order to be able to do this much better and be able to save money to your company, you know? Successful conversations, obviously, have the ability to, you know, be prepared in advance in order to have these conversations, you know, not just be reactionary and just, you know, talk to your employee immediately right off the bat. You know, you can, you know, be fully present with your employee that is very valuable because, you know, people are people. We know more than anything, we're humans more than, than anything else. We can feel when somebody is not there fully present for us, right? create positive energy around the situation, you know, so that they know that you're on their side, that you're there to help them and you're not against them, right? And here's a, a, a module of how is it that I would suggest that you start conversations. the using the you in any conversation at the beginning, most likely than not, uh, you can create, um, you know, mechanisms of, of not having good psychological safety or mechanisms where people will feel attacked. By using the I statement in order to have conversations will help to bring more psychological safety into the process in order for you to have learning conversation. So here's a little bit of a picture of the model. You praise, you don't give negative feedback and then you praise, you give learning conversations. You talk through people. you know in a constructive way where you can learn about your employee and you learn what is it that they need in order for them to be successful right you know effective conversations you know one size does not fit all right we need to know how to give feedback to people in a in the most positive way as possible you know we have to create a space in where we can give you know very good psychological safety in order for us to have those conversations and you know, you know, at the end of the day, managers, you know, are learning a new skill of how to develop their own people and how to, um, you know, gauge when employees are in a space of needing support, having issues that we can immediately work on, instead of, you know, dragging it for a whole year and eventually having an employee that is already totally disengaged and not willing to perform and having more difficulty to get them to a level for them to to do well in the organization. Remember, you know, you guys uh, perhaps are more expert than I, you know, I, I, I know that I, I'm certified as an HR person, but it costs a lot of money to uh, fire people, train new people, you know, recruit people, train people, and bring them back back to speed into the organization. So rather keep working with the employees that you have already. So now talking about diversity equity and inclusion. Again, it is a mechanism of also learning conversations, right? To prepare for these type of conversations, you know I put together a little list here here to teach you how to go about doing this. You know it's about describing your feelings, of what what happened in the situation i know that a lot of things are happening right now where a lot of attention has been put in place because people are starting to have more conversations about diversity about you know about inclusion in the workplace but the the problem is that a lot of organizations perhaps don't have mechanisms of how to train people that are going to be engaged in these affinity groups or employee relationship uh, departments and they just bring volunteers from the organization in order to just collaborate but with no given training of how to go about doing this and it is important for people to learn how to have difficult conversations. Otherwise you know organizations are going to have a lot of problems they can get into legal issues as well if people are not able to uh, communicate uh, adequately otherwise, this is gonna turn into a lot of formal complaints. And I have seen that in organizations and I have to be back, going back into those organizations to do mediations in order to alleviate those type of situations. So, and here's a little framework of how to go about using again, the I statement and how to go about sharing information with people so that you can create a, a psychological space. And obviously it is important to learn uh, several skills that goes hand in hand to become a, a, a conflict intelligent person. You know, in listening, 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 it's overrated, but a lot of people don't understand that listening is just not listening through our, through our ears. It's really being fully present, being away from our thoughts and be able to be present to hear the other person, to understand what they're saying, to bring empathy. So I know that, you know, it is it is not easy but it's uh, something that is doable. And, and I, I did put together a book called Conflict uh, Intelli- Intelligence Quotient um, that, um, that talks about all of these, that talks about how is it that you can become a conflict intelligent leader in your organization. And when I talk about leaders, it's not that I'm talking about a leader, that it's you know somebody in the higher ups. I believe that every single person in every organization is a leader, because if those employees, have the ability to have conversations, to be um, emotionally intelligent, conflict intelligence, everybody can meet from the bottom up, from the, the middle down and middle up. You know, everybody can, can, can support in the leadership. So I see leaders everywhere in the organization. And if you empower them to be able to have you know, these difficult conversations, you're going to have a much better culture in your organization, right? So what about diversity equity and inclusion you know uh, we have to uh, look around not only to trainings in in uh, implicit bias and explicit bias but rather bring out the meta skills of people' skills you know conflict intelligence uh, that brings the ability to teach people you know meta skills that can be useful for many different, Different areas, right? Including, including diversity, equity, inclusion, performance evaluation, high-stake conversation, difficult conversations. So, um, I hope that you have enjoyed my presentation. Here is a little bit about me. Um, here is, if you would like to get a hold of me, and this is information about where to find me. And like I mentioned, uh, my book is in Amazon. If you're interested in learning more about conflict intelligence, thank you very much for your time and. Uh, Pass it down to to you.
0: Fantastic. Can we stop sharing as well, Luba?
1: Yes. Okay. Done. <laughs> oh no, I do have a few
0: questions though.
1: Okay. Are we start recording? Yeah, we're recording. We'll continue. Okay.
0: We can be a crop this piece up.
1: Alright. Okay. Sounds good. Tell Bye. me.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Vivek. I love to load those points that you brought up and I have a bunch of questions as well. And one thing that immediately came to mind was I heard this phrase in the past in which if you're depriving someone of timely, constructive feedback or learning feedback in this case, you're depriving them of growth. And that's such a powerful statement, isn't it?
1: Yes. And, and like I said, sometimes we forget to um, work with our managers and our supervisors, that their role is not about just delegating, making sure that projects and, and products go off the line, but also their fiduciary responsibility is also to develop people. right? But then we fail to empower them and, 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 and skill them in order to do that. You know, A lot of people think that when they're in a higher position, People know how to deal with these things. People know how to do, you know, managers, supervisors are prone to know how to deal with human conflict. And most likely than not, they're not. Because, like I said, it is not a hard skill, you know, it's not a, a hard skill that it's being taught in school. It's a soft skill, a people skill that, you know, it is equally important, but it's not necessarily being taught um, around our educational system, right?
0: Right, right. Dude, don't just assume skill and enable your people gotcha yes. and also so i could relate a lot to the other point on flight or flight as well so i come from the channel partnerships and the channel sales world meaning dealing with conflict is like eating breakfast for us that's something that we do day in and day out so when when we talk about conflict management and when you spoke about flight or fright now when the flight harm flight flight or flight hormone kicks in what would be some steps to immediately take to combat that what can we do to realize that hey i don't have to fight this but i should be having a learning conversation instead what should i be doing then
1: well one of, one of the things that i that i'm going to be teaching in a course that i'm bringing up it's it's a course in the book that i that i developed is you know it is about helping them to create awareness from many different angles many different angles you know, the book that I came uh, about, it's, it's going to help people and leaders to augment their emotional intelligence. Why? Because I'm bringing awareness from different standpoints as to how is it that we can, you know, we can understand our, our mind, how it functions, why we go into those states. You know, I also work with an assessment that really depicts exactly people's hot buttons. People sometimes are not aware that they have hot buttons. They're not aware that they have certain uh, constructive levels of how to deal with conflict and distracted levels of how to deal with conflict, right? And by creating a, a overall awareness into that, that helps the mind to help them to start helping them to retool the brain teaching them new mechanisms of how to deal and, and maneuver conflict. And that is where I call that there's me, me, meta skills, right? It is not only one skill that you have to learn in order to become good conflict intelligence. You know, you have to learn how to be present, good listener. You know, there's so many so many skills that I teach in order to help you to get there. And then again, you know, after, after retooling the brain is, now let's start practicing and seeing what's happening. What's getting on the way? Is it your behavior getting in the way and how we can transform, we can transform that behavior, right? And at that same level, we're we're helping individuals to understand the level of consciousness, how to jump from one level to another level of consciousness to know how to maneuver and manage different types of conversations, different types of conflicts, different types of situations so that people don't dread and don't fear to have these high-stake conversations or difficult conversations. So that is, that is, you know, what I would say that that's the mechanism that I have learned in methodology of how to bring people to that level, right?
0: Hey, I'm enrolling for that course.
1: <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would love to have you. Um, yes, and, um, and obviously, um, you know, you're welcome to to check it out, and um I know that you're gonna be putting my information. So uh, people are welcome to send me an email, inquire more about the course. I'm gonna start the the first cohort of this course in February the 24th of 2022, which is this year, and um and we're gonna go from there. You know, and 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 we're it's a 10 10 module course that I'm gonna be teaching, and and it is gonna be in person, not in person like. In person, but in Zoom, but it's going to be live because it is important to have. Uh, in order to learn these concepts, it has to be an experiential process. It is very difficult to learn all of these concepts, you know, through a one-hour, two-hour training. It just doesn't work, you know. You have to, you know, train individuals in an experiential way, trial and error, have reflective points in order for them to really internalize the new concepts, right? True.
0: True. I'm with you there. Just as we wrap this up, just one one other question out of curiosity. So when we're always talking to prospects or anyone in general, we've been taught to always address you in which we would say, what's in it for you? What are you doing? When you always say that you, it it shifts the power dynamic and it shows Mm -hmm. that the other person is controlled. And it shows that this entire thing is about them. I was I was really curious when you when you asked us to change that dynamic to say I, when you say I, don't you make it sound like it's all about me and not about the other person?
1: That's a very good question. And I think that we're talking apples and oranges in here. When you're talking about using the word you and seeing the perspective about you and others, right? It's about putting the other person first when you're gonna, when you're gonna have certain levels of conversations. But when you're gonna be giving um, information that is around perceptions and feelings, right? Perceptions and feelings, that you know that it's it's going to affect the other person in a negative way, you start with the I. Because when you start with a you, you're very accusatory. There's a whole list of of roadblocks, conversations that can come about just by using the word you. And, And immediately people become defensive. But rather, if you start with the eye, you know, it deflects a little bit the emotion and it doesn't give that perception to the other person that immediately have to be in a defensive mode and going to fleet and fight and freeze mode. So when we're talking about psychological safety is how is it that you can bring this communication at that level so that you can have these learning conversations? Because what happens is that when people go into a freeze and fight or, or freeze mode, people stop listening. And when people stop listening, it, it creates a higher level of tendency of to create different type of perception. And it does not allow to filter the communication that is coming from the other person. That makes sense? Yeah,
0: gotcha. Makes perfect sense. And the last question we have today for you, Yvette, is, so you mentioned about weekly check-ins or monthly now, when does this become micromanaging? When does one feel that hey, get off my back, stop talk, stop getting into every single thing I'm doing? When does it become micromanaging?
1: When, when, when the manager and the supervisor—it's coming from a standpoint of I'm wrong and you're right. When the energy is frustration because you're not doing things right. When. Um, when the managers treat employees like you're the subordinate and I'm your manager, rather than, you know, you're my direct report and we work on this together because we have a commonality. We're coming here to build projects or, or support this organization in order to make a profit or in order to serve the community. You know, that is the distinction. When you micromanage someone, you're being bullying. you're being treating people without respect. When you're having learning conversations, you're in a space of growth. And you invite the other person to be in a space of growth and in a space of psychological safety, in order for them to feel safe, in order to open up, to figure out what's going on, and to figure out how we can create, um, you know, equity and equality, in order to help this individual to function in a level that they can perform best.
0: Right, right, right. Good. Makes perfect sense. Thank you so much, Eva. So many wonderful points. So many lovely topics we've spoken of today. And Hey, I know you did bring up your profiles, and I'm sure that all of us are going to have a bunch of questions. So, once again, where can we find you on the interwebs?
1: Yes, you can find me at Unitive Consulting, it's u n i t i v e consulting.com. That's where you guys can find me. Also, like I said, uh, my book is in Amazon under Yvette Durazzo.
0: Fantastic! All right, anyway,
1: well, thank you so much, and hey, thank I'm you. Easy- I will see the rest of you in the upcoming sessions.